Welcome back to the Phoenix College Athletic Podcast. This is Coach Cameron. I'll be your host today. And with me, I have Kevin Kimball, the head baseball coach at Phoenix College. How are you doing, Kevin? Good, man. Thanks uh, for having me on. No, I appreciate you uh, coming on on short notice. Uh, it's uh, crazy not being able to be at work and be able to really connect with people. So this is the best we can do for now. But um, let, let's let's talk about, about you and, and your journey of how how did you end up at Phoenix College? What was your pathway in baseball, and how you ended up at Phoenix College? So where are you where are you from? Uh, do we get, do we have an hour? Yeah, we got uh, as no. much time as you want. <laughs> no, uh, I'll try to make it quick. But um, I was born and raised in Montana. Uh, I guess the unique thing about that, as far as my profession is concerned, is. Um, there's no high school baseball in Montana. Uh, and when I was growing up, uh, there was no college baseball either. So I guess as far as, uh, you know, like just in you in particular, if, if you grew up in Arizona or anybody out here and they were a soccer person or whatever, imagine not having your sport in high school, like you couldn't play it. Uh, there were no colleges that offered it. Um, is that the case so, today too? Yes. Wow. Uh, there are, there are, uh, three colleges now that offer baseball, two junior colleges um, and one four-year school, a division two school. Uh, but those, those options were not there when I graduated. Um, so they did have summer baseball and whatnot. So it wasn't like it was non-existent, but uh, you know, as far as specifically with my sport uh, it made it a little bit more difficult to be you know, continue on and, and play baseball. And that's why, I mean, I pretty much know every single baseball guy that's from Montana, like that's out in the coaching world and whatnot. Like I know all of them because <laughs> there's, there's only a few. Right. Um, so, I mean, as far as the state of Montana, it's the fourth largest state, but there's more people in the Phoenix metro area than there is in the entire state of Montana. So um, it's just a different, you know, atmosphere and whatnot. Um, but to be honest, I wasn't really, uh, uh, I mean, I played baseball, but football was more my sport growing up. I actually didn't even play baseball my freshman or sophomore year in high school. Uh, and when I say, I mean, we didn't have high school baseball in, uh, in my actual school, but as far as summer Legion baseball, which is kind of the equivalent there, I didn't, I didn't play as a freshman or sophomore. Um, I was kind of a football guy and, um, kind of my junior year, summer after my junior year in high school, uh, I decided to get back into it. Uh, you know, I was a pretty good athlete. I played, um, I had college scholarships to play football, basketball, and baseball. I chose the baseball route uh, eventually because I thought that that was the best route for me personally as far as giving myself a chance to uh, – climb the ladder as high as I could. I was only 150 pounds coming out of high school. So football, uh, unless I wanted to put on um, quite a bit more weight, um, I just didn't think that was the option. Um, so ended up going to a junior college in Idaho, College of Southern Idaho, which was probably one of the best decisions that I made. Uh, I learned a lot. Um, 
probably the first time I actually had real coaching as far as baseball is concerned. Uh, cause I was very raw in everything. Um, played there for two years, uh, ended up going to the university of Northern Colorado, played my last two years. I'd always known that I'd wanted to get into coaching in some aspect. Even when I was like 11, 12 years old, I was one of those weird kids that like when they played video games, I didn't actually play the games. I would set it on a, a setting where I would, where you, you know, like a football game, I would just call the plays and I wouldn't actually play the game. I was just trying to outsmart the computer essentially. Uh, so, so yeah, I was just, I always knew I wanted to, to coach in some aspect. As soon as I got done playing, uh, I literally went from playing at the university of Northern Colorado to coaching the very next year. I just stayed right there with the program, stayed on staff and coached the guys that I just got done playing with the year before, which is a little bit, uh, you know, kind of a weird dynamic, but, uh, stayed there for two years. Ended up going to the to Southern Illinois University and got my I was a, a GA there, so I got my master's and coached Division One baseball for three years. Took me a, a year longer to complete my master's than I planned. Uh, did that, and at that point I was like, you know what? I think I kind of want to go back to Montana. At that, I mean, now when I look back at that decision, I wish I wouldn't have, but I decided to go back to Montana and coach Legion baseball again. They don't have high school baseball, so. Um, coached the team that I played with when I was uh, a junior and a senior. Did that for a couple of years, and then I said, you know what, this isn't for me. I kind of want to get to a, a better baseball area as far as not just you know better play, but climate, everything. I looked into a job here in Arizona, uh, a small 2A charter school uh, called West Wind Prep, and I applied for the job online without knowing anything about whatever. And, uh, you know, it's like two weeks after I apply for this job and I'm like, man, I haven't heard anything. Like I have a master's degree. I've coached, you know, college baseball for five years. Like, how am I not like hearing anything? So I decided to call the athletic director and, uh, he answered and he's like, man, he's like, we thought, uh, we thought it was kind of a joke that you applied. Like yeah, you, you really want the job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, they're, they're like, you really want the job? I said, yeah. He goes, you realize we don't have a baseball field. A lot of our kids have been expelled from other schools. Uh, we don't have like a great, you know, you know anything like he just kind of went on and on. I was like, yeah, I want it. So I came down here, took that job. Uh, we actually won the first two games in the history of the uh, of the program. I thought they were going to throw a parade in my honor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the next year, um, Verado High School had just opened up. Uh, so I applied for that job and I got it. Uh, we still didn't have a varsity program at that point, but I coached there for one year. Uh, that summer, I got the opportunity to coach in the Cape Cod uh, Summer Collegiate League, which is basically the best college baseball players in America. And it was kind of a, a dream of mine to be able to coach in that league. Uh, you know, Verado was asking me to stick around that summer and try to become certified in math because uh, that's what they wanted me to teach. They didn't necessarily need me to pass the certification test. They just wanted me to to take it to show that I was trying to right. um, get certified. But I was like, you know what? I, I, I can't miss this opportunity to go out to Cape Cod and, and coach in this league. Um, I didn't really want to fly back to take a math test and then fly back out. I didn't have a ton of money at that point. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go. Um, and... <laughs> They're like, you know, we, we can't 
have you back. You know, you're, you didn't right. do what we asked you to do. Uh, at that point, I kind of got lucky in the fact that Gateway Community College, their head coach, who I didn't know at the time, uh, Rob Shabansky, who is their, still their coach and also their athletic director, uh, he called me up while I was out there and he said, hey, man, I know another guy that you know. He, I'm looking for a coach. He said to call you. Um, so I'm talking to him on the phone for like five minutes. And next thing you know, he's like, you know, man, he goes, uh, I don't know if you understand, but I'm trying to offer you the job. Like, do you want it? <laughs> so I was like, sure. Um, so then I ended up after the Cape went to a gateway for two years. And at that point, uh, you know, their baseball program wasn't very good. Uh, they had just finished in work in last place a couple of years. And, uh, we ended up going kind of worst to first, uh, from my, in the two years that I was there, that was when the job at Phoenix college opened up, um, applied for that. And long story short, and, and, ended up there. And, and it's kind of like every coach's journey. If, if you heard, you know, we're not going to talk about me, but, um, when, um, when they, I think, uh, our athletic director is going to interview me to tell my story. I have a very similar story, how I got to PC as well. And, uh, I got the job by default, but anyways, well, you'll hear about that in a different podcast, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, and then you've been here ever since. So, it, you know, it's, it's hard to find a place that you can actually finally settle in and, and do your thing. And, uh, you know, and fortunately for you, you went through that and finally you found a place you can actually, uh, be a baseball coach and have a baseball facility, have history. And there's a lot of history at Phoenix college. I know gateway, they don't have, they have to rent at parks no. and stuff. So that's not fun. Um, yeah. So, uh, welcome to PC. You, you've been, <laughs> you've been here for a while. You took a trip to nationals and all that. But, um, yeah. one interesting thing about, about you, um, is you're, you're good friends with, uh, Ryan leaf and you actually had mm-hmm. Ryan leaf come speak to our athletic department, all the, all the student athletes that tell his story. And it's a fantastic story. Uh, how do you, how do you know Ryan Leaf? Uh, well, I mean, growing up in great falls, Montana, it's, uh, just one of those weird things. I mean, you, uh, we live right next to each other. And when, uh, you kind of grow up in a neighborhood, you pretty much, you know, none of us have cars when we're nine years old. So, uh, you pretty much just play, play with the kids that are, that are in your area. He happened to be one of them. I just happened to live in pretty much, uh, as far as Montana is concerned, uh, our neighborhood was amazing as far as the athletes that grew up in a small little spot. Um, you know, obviously I didn't know he was going to grow up and play in, you know, the NFL and, you know, have a shot to win the Heisman trophy and things like that. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, we just, he's a year older than me. I always got a chance to, to play around with him. Uh, to be honest, um, you know, you're in a, in a lot of ways, you're a product of your environment. Um, and he was a really good athlete in a lot of ways. It made me a better one. It's kind of like when you, when kids ask you when they're talking about recruiting and they ask you, Oh, well, who else do you have at my position? It's like either answer I give you, you should be okay with. It's like, if I tell you, we got nobody else there, yeah, great for you. You get to come into a situation where you're probably going to play a lot. If I were to tell you we got one of the best players in the in the state playing your position, you should look at it and say, you know what? That's awesome. That guy's going to push me. I'm going to be better. I'm going to you know, work harder in the weight room, work harder at practice. It's going to make me a better player as a result. Um, and that's kind of what happened with, with Ryan is he in tune made me a better player basketball player, better football player, better baseball player. He played all those sports too, uh, just like myself. 
and you know it's just uh we just really got along in that aspect um you know, I, I obviously know him in a different way than everybody else does when you just grow up with somebody and you're shooting baskets in the driveway and, you know, playing wiffle ball in the, in the, you know, my grandparents' front yard who also live right down the street and, you know, all those types of things. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, it was, uh, it's, it's been interesting to kind of see, where, see where things have, have went, uh, with him. So, so yeah, I guess that's, uh, that's kind of how, uh, how our relationship started. So when you had him come in and speak to our athletic department, I, I haven't heard the story. I mean, I know the story outside looking in about, you know, the, the, the whole, you know, battle for who's going to get the number one overall pick and all that stuff. And, you know, him screaming at reporters and his downfall mm-hmm. and to hear his story, how he got locked up and, and the only way he was able to truly get out of the, the situation he was, cause he was controlled by, you know, the, the drugs he was addicted to mm-hmm. the painkillers um, was through service. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell that story a little bit about that time when, when his, his cellmate helped him get through yeah. it? Can you tell that story briefly? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he uh, obviously made some, some poor decisions in in his life once he got to a certain point uh where you know he he had always kind of been that way his entire life not uh i mean again i was friends with him but he was always had a little bit of an abrasive attitude um which coming from a small town in montana and you're that much better than everybody else he's still the only you know he's the only guy that from montana that's ever even been drafted in the nfl so um he was not humble in that aspect uh, and that was part of his, his downfall. Uh, but yeah, when he went to prison, I mean, he essentially shut off contact with everybody. I couldn't get a hold of him. Um, uh, my parents, uh, obviously spoke to occasionally to, to people in his family, but I know my grandmother literally wrote him a letter every single week, uh, that he was in there. Um, and didn't really get, you know, there was like, basically no response, but it was basically that one guy, his cellmate that said, Hey man, uh, you have, you have something to give to like, you're not just like some worthless person that you're, you're viewing yourself. Won't you come with me down to the library and, and help tutor other, other cellmates, like, you know, teach them how to read. And he's like, you know, I, I don't know how to teach someone else how to read. And he's like, well, you know how to read. These guys don't know anything. Like start, like pretend like you're teaching a, you know, five-year-old kid. Um, and, uh, you know, little by little, that's kind of what it took for him to see, you know what? Yes, I, I can provide some service to somebody. I'm not uh, worthless. Uh, even though I've done a lot of stupid things in my life up to this point, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it doesn't matter what you've done. It kind of what matters, what you do from here on out. Um, and that's what he did. And it was, again, a kind of a step-by-step process. It wasn't like overnight, he was a different person. It took a while, but, uh, once you kind of start to go down that road and you see, uh, how much you can impact somebody else's life where it's like, man, can, I mean, I couldn't even imagine being a guy that's, you know, 30 years old and doesn't know how to read at that point. You're like, you don't even know you would feel embarrassed to tell somebody you don't know how to read. Uh, so those guys that he was teaching were very vulnerable people and they just wanted help. Uh, and that's what, uh, what he provided and, uh, ended up kind of springboarding him into his, you know, his life, you know, 
from there on out once he once he got out. And he he continued his service by um, get offering free rides to uh, uh, different people that needed to go to AA or or something like that. Yeah, he, yeah, he was he was trying to do literally everything that he could because he just felt like he was such a such a the, a poor human being right. for lack of a better term for so long it's like when you kind of see the light and you and you realize man i was i was garbage like i treated people poorly i was just an ass uh it kind of makes you want to even things out and so you start to go above and beyond to try to equal you know as as, as far as human beings that's what we're always trying to do is is even things up somebody does something nice for you you try to do something you know just as nice to them back <laughs> And, uh, but, uh, that's what he was trying to do. And, uh, you know, again, it kind of springboarded him into, you know, what he's, you know, what he kind of got into, but shoot, like before he, uh, ended up going to prison, I remember going back home over Christmas cause I usually go back home over Christmas and I'm sitting in his basement. Uh, this was before he went to prison. Uh, I'm sitting in his basement. We're talking about just normal stuff when you hang out with your friends his dad's down there um little did i know three months from then all this was going to go down essentially um so i didn't see any of those signs that he was abusing painkillers and he was doing that and um you know uh my parents house was one of the houses he essentially broke into i mean just walked in the sliding glass door um but uh to try to find pills so, uh, I mean, he was really down to, uh, stooping to, you know, those kind of levels at that point. Um, cause it's a, it's a serious addiction. And I know when he came to talk to our athletic department, uh, I know I had two of my players that were on our team that year. That was a team. That was the year we ended up going to the world series. Uh, two of my players stuck around to talk to him and ask him questions one-on-one after everybody had left. Uh, and I know those questions pertain to, you know, those types of, you know, decisions and, you know, just mentally coping with, with things. Um, cause a lot of kids struggle with those types of, uh, you know, those kind of demons in their head, uh, with everything that's kind of going on in, uh, in the world. This was three years ago, but you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to have somebody that's, Hey, you've been through the, through the fire, uh, and you kind of came out the other side, um, you know, how, how did you do it, you know, uh, type of thing. Yeah, and, and I loved his, uh, what I got from it, and I and I took notes, like, as soon as he started speaking, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like, so I, I took some notes, and one of the notes I took was um, that he said three or four times that I remember was, if you want to overcome any addiction, you do it through service to others. And that stuck with uh-huh. me forever. And that's a that's a message everyone should hear now because of all the crap we're going through right now in this country, we're too busy fighting when the simple solution is is service, and, exactly. and that's it. Um, exactly. It's a, it's a hard it's a hard thing to do, but it's the easiest solution to what we're dealing with right now versus just screaming and yelling at each other. Um, so, uh, Kevin, I, I'm going to have to let you go. We're, we'll, we'll definitely, uh, uh, the next time we, uh, we have you on the podcast, uh, we'll, we'll pick it up from here and talk about the future of baseball as far as 
the new protocols and, you know, we're learning stuff each day, but, uh, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate this and we'll have this, uh, airing out later today. That was good, man. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you.